Thank you very much. You're listening to WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. This is the Jazz Focus, and my name is John Clark. Today we're going to be listening to the music of the New Orleans pianist and so much more, Jelly Roll Morton, and some recordings that he made at the very end of his life in 1940 for the General uh, label. They were issued later on on Commodore, uh, but they were done for a small label in New York called General. We're also going to stick in a couple of live broadcasts to fill out the show. Jelly Roll Morton was born uh, in New Orleans. Beyond that, everything's sort of up in the air. He probably was born in 1890, although he later said he was born in the 1880s, possibly because he wanted to uh, present himself as in on the beginnings of jazz, which he claimed to have founded. Uh, probably he wasn't born in that early. 1890 is probably a better better bet. Um, he, his real name was Ferdinand Joseph Lamoth, or something to that uh, to that description. Uh, he changed things as life went on. Uh, he came from a uh, somewhat upscale Creole family. Uh, his parents were apparently not married and divorced or separated very early on in his life. He was raised largely by his grandmother, who did not favor his going into music. But uh, Jelly Roll uh, showed aptitude for piano playing, as well as for uh, putting himself in, 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 in the main line of different uh, things that happened in New Orleans and uh, taking credit for things that maybe he didn't uh, actually begin. But he did have a very colorful career and a very interesting professional career, starting in Storyville, where he played in a lot of the houses of prostitution, Lulu White's and uh, Mahogany Hall, other other places. He was uh, a piano-playing professor, as they called him, uh, and he learned popular repertoire, he learned ragtime, and uh, he also learned how to 
entertain an audience in there. Uh, in the 1910s, he went on tour with some various groups. He ended up on the West Coast uh, after doing a long vaudeville tour as not only a piano player, but as a singer and a dancer and a comic. Uh, he also had some extra musical ways of making money, uh, including being a pimp and a pool hustler and all kinds of other things. When he went out to uh, the West Coast in the 1910s, he started composing more and began publishing songs as well. And uh, that eventually led him back to Chicago uh, in the early 1920s, late 1910s, early 1920s. He worked for the Melrose uh, Brothers, who were his publishers, uh, not only uh, writing songs, but creating arrangements and doing recordings. And by the late 1920s, he was recording with the band that he called the Red Hot Peppers for RCA Victor. And these are considered classic jazz recordings. Recordings. Uh, very well organized, very well structured, and beautifully played all the way through. Uh, he was not uh, the easiest person to get along with, and he did not have any band that toured for any long-standing period of time. He would take over other people's bands, such as the Louis Russell Band, to do short tours, and uh, uh, sometimes uh, they went well and sometimes they didn't. Uh, but by the early Depression, he was having trouble making a living. He ended up in Washington, D.C., where he managed a club. He also had some side business ventures, like a cosmetics company and things like that. But he ran a club that ultimately came to be known as the Jungle Inn, kind of a, a dumpy club where he was stabbed at one point. Uh, he was, however, during this period interviewed by the Library of Congress, and there are four or five CDs out of his uh, reminiscences and playing, which are vital to our understanding of the history of early jazz. Uh, he also started writing some more compositions, some of which we're going to be hearing today. By about 1938-39, he was back in New York trying to make a go of it again. He made some more recordings for RCA Victor. He recorded some wonderful piano solos for the General Recording Company in 1939. And in 1940, very early January, in fact, he was given the opportunity to uh, make some band recordings. And these became his last band recordings. In fact, really his last recordings of any kind in the studio. So what we just heard were two tunes, the New Orleans Standard Panama, followed by a Jelly Roll Morton composition called Sweet Substitute. And these were done by Jelly Roll Morton's Hot 7, January 4th of 1940 in New York. We heard some very fine playing by New Orleans musicians, Red Allen on trumpet, uh, playing some very... Uh, outlandish, I would have to say, uh, trumpet solos and also ensemble parts. He almost derailed the ensemble altogether in Panama at one point, but they hung with him. Albert Nicholas was on clarinet. The two of them had recorded with Morton uh, while they were with the Louis Russell Band in about 1930. We also had Morton, of course, on piano and singing. Wellman Bro, a great New Orleans bass player who had been with Duke Ellington. And Zudi Singleton, who was considered one of the great New Orleans drummers. Also, of the non-New Orleans variety, we had Joe Britton on trombone, who played with some of the Harlem big bands, as did Eddie Williams on alto sax. And the addition of a saxophone is usually thought of as a way of nodding to the swing era. Morton was really quite concerned with getting a hit record, or at least something to jumpstart his career. And possibly uh, the addition of a saxophone might have been going along with that idea, although he used saxophones quite regularly in his early bands as well. So our next set, we're going to finish off that particular recording date, which produced four tunes, the two we just heard, Panama and Sweet Substitute, and then Good Old New York and Big Lip Blues, and these are both Jelly Roll Morton compositions, as are the next three after that. Why? A very pleasant ballad that doesn't get uh, played very often anymore. Then Get the Bucket, kind of a down-and-dirty New Orleans type of tune. And we're going to finish off that set with If You Knew, which was one of the nicest Jelly Roll ballads that, uh, again, doesn't get played all that often. 
So the General Morton Hot 7 will be responsible for the first two, but then we're going to have the Hot 6 after that, which uh, omits the trombone. And that was from July 23rd of 1940. So those are our tunes coming up. Good Old New York and Big Lip Blues, followed by Why, Get the Bucket, and If You Knew.
Honey, there's one thing that I must know If you could ease my feelings off Why, won't you kindly tell me why You always leave me high and dry 
the boy's attention, dear. You know I want you near me. Oh, hear me. Well, you could be so awfully pleasing if you'd stop your teasing. If you do, I'll be true. Captivating, why are you so aggravating and so mean? Must I always keep on waiting, sweet? You know there's lots of kissing we're missing. So I would like to hear you say, let's go and see the parson. Why don't you hurry, won't you tell me why? back and a little bit of gin and hurry up and make it fast.
some very loosely organized New Orleans jazz. These were clearly not rehearsed too extensively, unlike the earlier Morton sides for Victor. These had a kind of almost a live quality to them, but um, obvious mistakes here and there, but some good uh, intense playing. So we heard Good Old New York and Big Lip Blues to start out that set. Those were from January 4th of 1940. It featured Red Allen doing some very characteristic trumpet playing. He was... Uh, had been with the Louis Russell Band and then backing the Louis Armstrong show, basically, for most of the 1930s. He did some periodic uh, recordings under his own name. He also played with Fletcher Henderson, the Mills Blue Rhythm Band. He was around and about in all kinds of different bands. He was about to embark on his small group uh, recording session. He uh, put a band together with J.C. Higginbottom and uh, Edmund Hall and uh, different people, and uh, it was sort of was a cross between a Dixieland band and, a, and an R&B band. Band, as it turned out a little bit later. Albert Nicholas on clarinet had been playing again with Louis Russell's band. He was a, a world traveler. He had been to Egypt and uh, to Europe and had played extensively in bands uh, all over the world, even in Shanghai for a while. Uh, he was back in New York uh, doing several different groups in the 1930s, including, uh, as I said, Louis Russell's band, and he was going to be recorded quite extensively in the 40s as part of the New Orleans Jazz Revival. Didn't hear a lot from Joe Britton on trombone, although we did hear a little sort of Tommy Dorsey type of playing on Good Old New York. Eddie Williams on alto sax played some good melodic solos, and uh, on the next group, the Morton Hot Six, he was featured more extensively. He had been playing with the Mills Blue Rhythm Band. He had recorded with uh, Billy Kyle's band, and uh, he had a good sort of up-to-date swing style, I guess you you'd have to call it. Zudi Singleton, Wellman Bro, and Jelly Roll Morton made for a good, solid New Orleans-style rhythm section as well, and Morton got to sing on a couple of these numbers. He was not anybody's idea of a great singer, but he was very emotive, and uh, he did certainly a, a creditable job with his own lyrics. 
So after a good old New York and Big Lib Blues, we reduced down to the hot six, minus Joe Britton on trombone, but otherwise the same. These were from uh, three weeks later, January 23rd, almost three weeks, 1940. And we heard his tune, Morton's tune, Why, followed by Get the Bucket, good kind of audience participation tune, and then If You Knew, which uh, was taken at a fairly bright tempo, but really sort of inclines itself to ballad performance, if you ask me. And uh, it has been recorded a few times since then, but that's not one of Morton's better-known tunes. Probably should be. So as I said, these band recordings were pretty much his last hurrah. He uh, moved to uh, Los Angeles. He hitched up two cars, apparently, and all his worldly possessions and drove out there not too long after these sessions. Uh, he made it out there. He uh, renewed his acquaintance with some of the New Orleans players out there, like Mutt Carey and uh, uh, Kid Ory, Buster Wilson, uh, who were just starting to get their careers back going again. And he even started rehearsing a big band uh, to play some of his arrangements. But unfortunately, he... he took sick and he died in July uh, of 1941 and so he never really did get to have his uh, his second act as it were but these recordings thankfully were done before he uh, started his slide into really serious ill health so for our next session, or set rather, we're going to finish off that January 23rd session. Uh, we're going to hear Shake It, another Morton tune, kind of uh, looking for the pop market, I suppose, taken from an earlier New Orleans type of theme. And then we're going to go to the last session that he did for General, January 30th, one week later, 1940, and we're back to the Hot 7, and this time, Claude Jones, a veteran big band trombonist uh, with uh, McKinney's Cotton Pickers and... Uh, um, uh, Fletcher Henderson, and a little later to go with Duke Ellington, is added, and we'll hear some of his playing as well. And the four tunes from that session are Dirty, 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 which probably came from a suitably dirty song in New Orleans, cleaned up for this release. Swinging the Elks, an attempt by Morton to become relevant to uh, the, uh, the Order of Elks, which apparently he played for quite a bit at that time. And uh, again, they never picked up this song, so it never made much of a hit. Then, Mama's Got a Baby Named Tina Na, which is a tune you hear now and then with uh, Morton performances. And we're going to finish up with My Home is in a Southern Town, which almost sounds like a tune from the 20s. Uh, and uh, we'll hear all of the soloists, including Claude Jones, uh, on all of these tunes. So that's our set, uh, finishing up Jellero Morton's uh, band recordings for the General Label in 1940. Shake It, Dirty, Dirty, Dirty. Swinging the Elks, Mama's Got a Baby Named Tina Na, and My Home is in a Southern Town. Shake it, all your pretty little things. Shake it, hear the birdies sing. Shake it, oh, bing, bing, bing. Yes, yeah, shake that thing.
take this one down with me this time. Yeah, that's the thing.
Mama's got a baby. All night, little baby. Who's the papa? Who did Oh, yes, indeed. 
So that was the balance of Jelly Roll Morton's career as a band leader in the recording studio anyway. We started out with Shake It, kind of a good dance type tune. He was really trying to find things that, as I said, would make him relevant to the swing era population, even though he had uh, several tunes that were being recorded by swing bands, King Porter Stomp, uh, Wolverine Blues, and so forth. So Shake It was by the Jelly Roll Morton Hot 6, January 23rd of 1940, Red Allen on trumpet, Albert Nicholas on clarinet, Eddie Williams on alto sax, Jelly Roll Morton on piano and vocals, Wellman Bro on bass, and Zudi Singleton on drums. And then we are going to go to the Jelly Roll Morton Hot 7 from January 30th of 1940. And we heard Dirty, Dirty, Dirty. As I said, it was probably a song that fit its title when it was in New Orleans here. It didn't have any lyrics, so probably just as well in that case, um, other than a chant here and there. And then Swinging the Elks, that tune that uh, Morton probably wrote for the Elks, didn't go too far, but had some very good playing in there. We heard some good Claude Jones in a couple of places, too. He was added to the six to make seven on trombone. Then Mama's Got a Baby Named T-Na-Na, which is silly as the lyrics are, actually was quite a good tune and a good arrangement as well. This particular session seems to have been a lot smoother uh, than the other two sessions. Maybe they rehearsed for it, I don't know, but the the arrangements were much better realized and the the material uh, was a little more complicated in terms of the arrangements. Then we finished up with My Home is in a Southern Town, another one of those very nice Morton tunes uh, that gets overlooked at times. These uh, general recordings are often considered the least of his recordings because they were done towards the end of his career, they weren't terribly well organized, but he may have felt that he didn't need to organize them because he had all of these musicians who were familiar with his uh, work and who were all top-flight professionals at that point as well. So. Uh, Under the circumstances, the musical components were actually quite good. So we're going to finish up the program with uh, two live recordings that were made for the Chamber Music Society of Lower Basin Street, which was an NBC radio show that was on the air in 1940-41, I think into 42 as well. The band was led by a fellow named Henry Hotlips Levine. It was a a white sort of studio Dixieland ensemble that uh, recreated early jazz styles and brought in soloists as well. Uh, There are recordings extant uh, of broadcasts and an occasional studio recording featuring Sidney Bechet, uh, Albert Ammons, Joe Sullivan, and uh, other people as well. But we have, thankfully, two uh, live broadcasts featuring Jelly Roll Morton from July 14th of 1940, just about exactly a year before he passed away and not too long before he left for the West Coast. So in this band with Hot Lips Levine is Jack Epstein on trombone, Alfie Evans on clarinet, Rudolf Adler on tenor sax, Tony Colucci, or Coluccio, I think was his real name, on guitar, Harry Patent on bass, and Nat Levine on drums. And these, uh, of course, feature Jelly Roll Morton on piano. And we're going to hear two Morton tunes in this case. We're going to hear the Wine and Boy Blues, which also features Hot Lips Levine on trumpet, and then a uh, somewhat abbreviated version of King Porter Stomp with just piano and drums, Nat Levine in that case. And uh, these really show uh, Morton the Entertainer, I think, more than anything else as well. So... That's our program on Jelly Roll Morton. Hope you've enjoyed it. My name is John Clark. This is, of course, the Jazz Focus. And we are here on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. And hope you're interested in these programs enough to keep uh, tuning in from week to week. We have quite a backlog of shows. After a while, they tend to morph over to my podcast channel. Uh, I have a podcast called The Jazz Focus, which uh, our home is on uh, anchor.fm, but you can get it on Spotify and Apple Music and all 
all finer podcast stations everywhere. So we hope you're interested enough, perhaps, to uh, take a listen to those as well. I believe we're going to have an extra minute, so I'm going to tag into uh, that at the very end of our Chamber Music Society of Lower Basin Street broadcast, a duo recording that Jelly Roll made with alto saxophonist Teddy Smith in uh, August of 1938, I believe right after he returned from Washington, D.C. to New York. And this is just simply called Blues, a short performance done very informally. I think it was at someone's house. I don't think it was done for any particular reason, or at least none that have come down uh, historically. So that'll finish off our program. We will have the Chamber Music Society of Lower Basin Street featuring Jelly Roll Morton on Wine and Boy Blues, followed by King Porter Stomp, a duo with just Nat Levine on drums, and then this informal blues with the duo of Jelly Roll Morton on piano and Teddy Smith on alto sax. So I hope you've enjoyed this program, and tune in again next week.